I'm breaking down my biggest takeaways from studying the film of the Buffalo Bills preseason win over the Colts today on Locked on Bills. You are locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Well, folks, very excited for today's discussion. We're going to have an all-22 film review conversation of the Bills' win over the Colts in the preseason. I've taken the time to study the all-22 game film, and I have plenty of things to share with you today after studying the tape it's one thing to watch a football game live on tv and and discuss the notable takeaways and i'm really satisfied with how that came together after the game but it's another thing to have the time to study the game film and really break down how guys performed and really see everything that happened on the field that's the great part about the all 22 is you get two angles of every single play one is a sideline view, but it includes all 22 players. So you can see the coverage shells, all of the routes, every single player is on the screen at all times. And then you get that, that uh, kind of that goal line view where you can really see the trench work, right? Those, those box players, those O-line, D-line linebackers, you can see them uh, do everything, right? And so it's just a very clean way to study game film. And this is going to be a big part of the way we talk about football games moving forward. I'm going to incorporate during the regular season an all-22 review podcast episode uh, to really break down what I'm seeing when studying the tape. And that's going to give us a very thorough and complete look at what's going on with this football team. And so here's a little little taste of what that's going to look like. Uh, preseason's a little bit different because there's so many players, like literally double the players of a normal regular season football game, literally double. Um, and so uh, there's just a lot to pay attention to. And so what I wanted to focus in on are some of the big storylines, the things that people are potentially most interested in and things that really stood out to me. So we're going to focus initially on the offensive line with some comments on Osiris Torrance, then kind of get into the rest of the offense. I know people want to hear about linebackers and how Tyrell Dotson looked. And then, of course, the cornerbacks, Kyer Elam, Christian Benford, et cetera. So that's going to be kind of the pillars of our conversation today. But let's start with the offensive line, and let's start with Osiris Torrance. Um, started the game at right guard, played 23 snaps, and I really, really liked what I saw. Um, I would say if I were to boil his 23 snaps into one sentence, I would say that he was smooth, controlled, and powerful. And folks, I mean, those are three adjectives that you'd want to describe any offensive line performance, much less a rookie making their NFL debut in preseason. Smooth, controlled, 
and powerful. I really loved his hand usage. His hands in pass protection were excellent. And one of the key things about being good with your hands in pass protection is being able to use both of your hands independently. When you're trying to pass block in the NFL, you can't just throw two hands at a guy and try to land them and and latch up. You have to be able to use your hands independently uh, to be able to really shut down the rush arsenal, the pass rush arsenal of your opponent. And Osiris Torrance was very good with his hands to utilize them independently to control reps, but then also there's a lot of pop and firmness to his hands, right? He's able to get his hands placed and fit, and when he's able to to really throw his hands and punch, he can stun an opponent, right, and, and really control the rep from there because his hands get latched and they get placed, and that defensive lineman really loses their momentum and their ability to get off the ball with quickness and get into the rep because Osiris Torrance controls things with his hands. And so I really enjoyed that component of his game. Now, he did get beat on an inside rep in pass protection, but I thought he recovered well where the defensive lineman was able to cross his face and really threaten the A-gap. But what Osiris Torrance did was he took him inside more than he wanted to go inside. And let me slow that sentence down because that's a big thing that I'm going to talk about a lot with pass protection is sometimes the best thing you can do is take somebody where they want to go more than they want to go there, especially when you're in a state of recovery. So just think about an offensive tackle and them getting challenged with speed around their outside hip and that defensive lineman, that edge rusher is able to kind of get a step on them What you want to do as an offensive lineman there is really turn and get your hands latched and run. So take that that edge rusher outside, further outside than they want to go. Just like what I'm trying to refer to with Osiris Torrance is he took that defensive tackle inside more than he wanted to go inside and was able to uh, keep the quarterback clean on the rep despite getting his face crossed and um, kind of giving up that interior gap. So Good recovery on that particular rep. I thought his timing in the run game was really, really good. Um, He was very deliberate with how he was able to take care of the first level and then get to the second level on some of the combos and scoop blocks, and that really stood out to me. And um, he had some good seal blocks on the second level, and I don't think Osiris Torrance was a guy that we would really anticipate being very good in space and climbing to the second level and sealing linebackers, but there was – at least two really high-quality reps of him being able to do that while also securing the first level first. And so I'd say the bottom line here with Osiris Torrance was that he played extremely well. He never looked out of control or overmatched. And my comfort level in him being the guy right away at right guard is absolutely growing. thought it was a great exposure with the first-team offense in a game environment, and the arrow is absolutely pointing up. And so I'm I'm greatly encouraged with obviously what I saw live from Osiris Torrance, but then studying the tape um, really solidified that he played well, in my opinion. A couple more things in the offensive line. I want to talk about this left tackle rotation uh, now that I've seen the tape and I've had a chance to chart it out. Uh, The first six snaps of the game were Deion Dawkins at left tackle. Then Ryan Van Demark came in. In replace of Ryan Van Demark at left tackle was David Questenberry, who played five snaps. That's it. Questenbury, five snaps for the entire 
game. And then undrafted free agent rookie out of Florida, Richard Garage, came in and played the last 34 snaps of the game. I thought he looked good, particularly in pass protection. I know that he's going up against like the fourth string for the Indianapolis Colts, but I thought he was encouraging at left tackle. I thought the offensive line in general did a very good job in pass protection. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but that's the left tackle rotation. And what I wanted to really highlight there was, well, of course, we've already made this distinguishment that Ryan Van DeMark was the first guy in at left tackle, uh, and then David Questenbury only playing five snaps, but Ryan Van DeMark then went to right tackle, and and the left tackle, Ryan Van DeMark, and the right tackle, Ryan Van DeMark, it was a night and day difference. And we talked about this in the Saturday post-game podcast and as well on Herd Mentality yesterday. I, I did an entire segment on Van DeMark, but now I've had the time to study the tape and really kind of get into um, what made him successful on one side versus the other, and it's just comfort. And we talked about the amount of time that Van DeMark has played left tackle versus right, and that's to be expected. Uh, but when he was on the right side, I mean, he just didn't perform quite as well, especially in pass protection where um, his angles were just off with his, to me, with his pass sets. And uh, opponents were taking wider angles, and they were able to get to his edges and really soften them and get around him. And he just wasn't as firm with his post hand or his post foot and uh, was really kind of getting worked around the outside hip. Now, I thought the run blocking was more even on both sides, and I was very encouraged with the athleticism and uh, how he stayed square and how he's able to open up lanes in the run game on both sides, but his pass protection was not good on the right side. And so the question that I have here is, was him playing right tackle part of the plan for the game, or was it just a product of what happened to Tommy Doyle? Because the rotation at right tackle was Spencer Brown started the game and played six snaps. And then you had Brandon Shell in the game for 17 snaps. Uh, and then Tommy Doyle came in and got hurt. And then Van DeMark finished the game at right tackle. I wonder if the plan was for Tommy Doyle to finish the game at right tackle, but he got injured. And so Ryan Van DeMark was asked to play right tackle and certainly didn't, didn't perform as well. But if you isolate what he did on the left side, uh, for however many snaps it was, I think 17 or something, 30, uh, I don't remember how many it was. He was really good on the left side, and I'm very encouraged with how he fared. Uh, a couple other random notes on the offensive line. Ryan Bates, he played 17 snaps, all of them as the second team center. No snaps at right guard. And so that's interesting. If he's going to be your starting right guard, you might want to play him at right guard. So maybe there is some momentum here for Osiris Torrance to be the starter. And then another note here that I thought was interesting is that only two offensive linemen played more than one position. And this is a massive shift from last year where guys were moving around all over the place. Uh, not the case. Only two offensive linemen played snaps at more than one position. Ryan Van DeMark, uh, who we talked about left and right tackle. And then Alec Anderson uh, played 19 snaps at center and 21 snaps at right guard. And so I thought that was very, very interesting. Uh, lastly, here on the offensive line, I thought the pass protection was really, really steady throughout the game. Uh, the Bills had 34 dropbacks. They only allowed pressure on six snaps, which is a pressure rate of 17.6%, which is very good. Anything under 20% is outstanding. They did give up two sacks, um, and one of them was Ryan Vandemark gave up a sack, and one of them was Ike Bucker. Um, and I thought the the most egregious moments of pressure being allowed 
was there was three reps for Ryan Vandemark at right tackle where he just got dusted around the outside edge. Ike Bucker, he struggled mightily in this entire game, whether it was pass protection and even some of his timing in the run game was completely off him. I'm down on Ike Bucker right now. I, I don't know if he's going to make this football team, uh, but he was able, he gave up some pressure. And then Nick Broker, I thought he was okay overall, but he got bull rushed and flat backed and gave up a pressure as well. But I think collectively across 34, excuse me, dropbacks for the Bills quarterbacks, the pass protection was very, very steady. And so that's encouraging. And I know that's a question that a lot of people had uh, coming out of last year and into this season is, you know, can this pass pro improve? And I think for this game, at least, I thought it was really, really strong. All right, we're going to talk about Dalton Kincaid, Justin Shorter here in just a moment. But first, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Are you looking for a safe quarterback to take as a starter late after you wait on the position? Then you can ride with Vikings' Kirk Cousins, one of the most consistent, healthiest, and most reliable passing producers. Cousins has great weapons in year two of a pass-happier offense under Kevin O'Connell. From Justin Jefferson to rookie Jordan Addison, he'll once again drive a team well that is loaded first at the other positions. Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle, right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it, and they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what parts you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go with eBay Guaranteed Fit. Everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, folks, let's continue our All-22 review of the Bills' win over the Colts and talk about some of the other compelling discussion points, in my opinion. Let's get into Dalton Kincaid. He only played five snaps, but of course I watched all five of them in depth. Four of them he was run blocking, and one of them he ran out for a pass, right? He ran a route. Uh, In terms of the blocking, I thought he was willing and competitive. He had good initial positioning with his blocks in terms of where his hips were, where his hands were, but he just doesn't necessarily have the functional strength to sustain those blocks and stay latched. Now, he wasn't a liability, uh, but there were times where you know he was able to get that initial positioning and then that opponent was able to really quickly dispose of him and then get in pursuit of the football. And so uh, it was kind of interesting how they chose to use him as a blocker. I felt like what he was asked to do would be better for Dawson Knox, uh, but maybe it was just an intentional exposure for Kincaid to get those reps uh, in line and, and block a little bit. On the one route that he did run, uh, you may have saw the clip on Twitter. I mean, he he ran over the linebacker, which was a fun play to watch because he ran over the linebacker. But at the end of the day, that's a good play for the linebacker. 
uh, because he was able to take him off the menu and cap the route. Now, Kyle Allen was so locked into Trent Shurfield uh, that he just kind of forced the ball over to him and didn't allow for the progression to play out. But I, you know, it's one play and, and there was a bunch of contact. And uh, ultimately, I think you would say that the, the linebacker did a good job of capping the route. Um, and then I think the other thing that's notable about Dalton Kincaid is that he only did play five snaps and uh, he didn't play beyond the, just that very brief appearance from the starters, which to me says something. It means, hey, we kind of know what we have here. We want to let this guy block a few times, but we're, we know what we have and we don't really need to give him reps despite being a rookie well into this preseason game. Uh, let's talk about Justin Shorter. Justin Shorter, the uh, Bills' fifth-round rookie out of Florida. I know it was a bit of a talking point with him, uh, considering so many of the depth receivers made plays, whether it was Andy Isabella or Marcel Aitman or Tyrell Shavers or Desmond Patton or Keyshawn Johnson. These guys are all out there making plays, and you're wondering, well, what's up with Justin Shorter? He couldn't make any plays? So I watched his snaps. He played 17 snaps, um, and he was – sprinkled in after the first wave of receivers, that first wave being like kind of Gabe Davis for the first few plays. And then it was Deontay Hardy, Trent Shurfield, and Khalil Shakir. And then it was kind of Justin Shorter in that next wave of guys on the field. Uh, 17 snaps, 12 routes, five of his reps were run blocking reps. And I thought his run blocking reps were pretty good. He held his own big physical receiver. You kind of expect that to be the case. But as a route runner and his opportunities in the passing game on those 12 routes, I mean, he just wasn't open. He couldn't separate from man coverage. Guys were well-connected. They were sticky with him down the field when he tried to uh, to run routes down the field. So, I mean, he just wasn't available. Um, he wasn't getting open. Now, there were two reps against zone coverage where he ran some shallow crossers on the backside of the progression, and he was open, but the progression started somewhere else and Kyle Allen threw the football to other players. He never got back to Justin Shorter, who was probably the third or fourth, third or fourth option within the progression. So uh quiet day for Justin Shorter. He didn't get open and um, he blocked well. So we'll see how that evolves moving forward. But I can understand why there would be some momentum for other receivers who showcased a little bit more um, than Shorter at this point in time. I think collectively, though, one of my big takeaways from watching the wide receivers was that they did win the ball in the air. Those guys made plays. Uh, the Bills wide receivers were four of six in contested situations. Uh, you saw Marcel Aitman, Khalil Shakir, Des Patman, and Jace Sternberger all win a contested catch. And you only had two losses in contested situations, one from Tyrell Shavers, uh, which was a drop, and one by Trent Shurfield, where I thought that ball got on him quick, and it was a, a th- ball that shouldn't have been thrown. I don't really... I don't really uh, put that much on Trent Shurfield uh, for not winning that contested situation. So you saw some good some good moments where the Bills won the ball in the air. You did see four drops, uh, Tyrell Shavers with two drops, and then Quentin Morris and Khalil Shakir both charged with a drop. Uh, one more note here on the offense before we talk linebackers and corners. Uh, for the run game, kind of curious to see if this is going to be a zone rushing offense or a gap scheme. For this game, the Bills ran the ball 22 times, 15 gap runs, seven zone runs, uh, which I think is pretty good. I I think the Bills have typically been a more effective gap rushing team and and kind of doing that out of some spread formations, and I think that worked for them against the Colts, and so I kind of like to see it 
a little bit more two to one with gap, but just enough zone to kind of keep other teams honest. And then the last note on the offense, and I, I know we talked about Latavius Murray, but I mean, that guy is just so much lighter on his feet than you would ever expect. Uh, some of his jump cuts, some of his ability to work laterally and get to get to gaps, get wide and get to gaps was really, really impressive from watching him on tape. So uh, he's the oldest running back in the league. He's the second tallest running back in NFL history. But my guy is still springy with his feet. He's a, he's a fun player and somebody that I've really enjoyed already despite not having played a single game for the team. So I'm excited to see what Latavius Murray can do for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. All right, folks, just need a quick break. We're talking linebackers, standouts on the defensive line, and, of course, cornerbacks. Stick with me. I'll be right back. All right, let's talk about some defensive takeaways from studying the All-22. And, of course, we'll start with the linebackers. And I know that Tyrell Dotson and how he performed and the linebackers in general is definitely something that is buzzy. So I checked the tape, and here's what I thought. Uh, I, I would say Ty- Ty- Tyrell Dotson didn't play well, but he didn't necessarily play as poorly as maybe I thought he did. Uh, his run defense was definitely better than his coverage. He's a firm player uh, taking on blocks and playing downhill. You saw that. Uh, but there are also some instances where I thought he I thought he missed his read and kind of ran himself out of some run fits a little bit. His best run fill, he actually whiffed on the tackle. Um, he had the ball carrier dead to rights, and then he just never wrapped them up. And the running back was able to kind of just shift to his left and then kind of broke the run out to the left. Really good fill by Tyrell Dotson. He just never wrapped up the ball carrier. In fact, he had two missed tackles in the game uh, on a pretty small sample of reps, right? You, you don't want to see missed tackles like that. So um, despite some good moments in run defense and being firm downhill, I think getting off blocks, a couple of missed reads and a couple of missed tackles took away from that. Uh, and then in coverage, I don't think he was exposed, and maybe if the other team game-planned specifically for him, that might be more of a matchup that they would pick on. Uh, But I don't also think that he did a very good job of getting depth in some of his drops, and he didn't do a good job of kind of being aware of crossers to his zone and and squeezing down on on routes as quickly as he needed to. So um, it was was an underwhelming game. I was certainly looking for him to pop in some ways, and he didn't. And I didn't, you know, just some of the missed opportunity is what what I think bothered me most about Tyrell Dotson. So I don't think he played well. I don't think he played fatally bad, if that makes sense. Um, but he certainly didn't pop in, in any good ways that I was hoping for. Now, I watched all of the linebackers. And to me, the best linebackers that I watched, and I could probably talk myself into putting them in, in a lot of different orders, I thought Balen Spector, Dorian Williams, and Traven Howard were the three best linebackers that I watched. Uh, Dorian Williams, he tackled extremely well. That was so encouraging. He made six solo tackles, had no misses, but they were all good, firm, wrap-up tackles. He took good angles to the ball, and he was physical. And a couple of times he was able to really square a guy up and get him down. I mean, the goal line tackle was outstanding. Had a couple other good stops where – he positioned himself well to make a play. I thought he was active. He was confident. He played fast. I really liked what I saw from Dorian Williams. Now, again, he's not playing Mike linebacker. He's more in a pursuit style role. It's different, but his energy, his impact was felt 
I think, pretty significantly in terms of all the linebackers. And I think Traven Howard played well, and he's kind of a forgotten guy in this entire linebacker conversation. I mean, of course, what he did on the two-point conversion stood out, but he was active all game long. He was quick and, and, and timely to respond and get to the football, uh, had some good coverage reps as well. I thought Traven Howard showcased himself well, and I thought Balin Spector did as well. I don't think Balin was um, as much of a standout in coverage, but some of his downhill uh, run uh, fills were really good. But I, I mean, I don't, I mean, don't take it for bigger than it has to be. But in this one preseason game, I thought the three best linebackers were very clearly Dorian Williams, Balin Spector, and Traven Howard. All three were active and flying around. And I, I, I came away with a much better impression of them than I did Tyrell Dotson or AJ Klein. And I know Matt Milano played a few snaps. He was in, there's not a whole lot to glean from his performance, but the guys that played extensively, I thought those were the best three. As for the defensive line, Boogie was so good. Boogie Basham played really, really good football. Uh, It's the best I've seen him look. His hands were very, very active. I thought, I thought his hand technique was as good as I've seen from Boogie. Uh, Some really good reps where he's able to, um, win with first contact and really set up his rush plan. Some instances where guys were latched on him and he was showing that ability to displace hands and get them off him and clear and get to the football. I thought he played as fast as he ever has, uh, had some really good interior rush reps and uh, his sack was outstanding, uh, beating Blake Freeland around the edge and then good pressure from Tim settle from the interior to allow him to make the play. But uh, Boogie Basham played really good football. I'm very encouraged with what he showed us against the Colts. And and really, I thought there was four defensive linemen that really kind of dominated when they were on the field. Boogie Basham, Puna Ford, Tim Settle, and Elianku. I thought all four of those guys just really owned their assignments, dictated terms, beat up on offensive linemen, made plays behind the line of scrimmage. Those guys played really, really well. Uh, One really random note before we talk cornerbacks on the touchdown run uh, before the half, right? I think the Bills kind of had them in a situation where they could get a goal line stop. Um, And it looked like an easy touchdown run, and it was. And that's because Jared Maiden, he was the, the guilty party here. He took on the block with the wrong leverage. He was out of his gap, but everything else was perfect on the play. He just needed to be in his gap and make the tackle, but he wasn't. So. Looked like an easy touchdown run, but that's the NFL. That's defense in the NFL. Ten guys can be perfect. One guy can be wrong. The next thing you know, you're giving up a touchdown, and, and that's what happened on that touchdown run. Uh, lastly, let's talk about these cornerbacks. Uh, Dane Jackson, he only played like five snaps, and then that was it. And then you saw Kyer Elam and Christian Benford play a lot of football. And I wouldn't say that either played particularly well. I think for Kyer Elam, the run defense and tackling was actually pretty good. I thought that was the best thing that he did. but. Uh, some of his man coverage reps, he was grabby in coverage. He deserved to be flagged on him. Uh, and he had some hesitation in zone where, you know, he's they're playing quarters and, you know, he's very concerned about not letting anyone behind him. But, you know, there's in there's routes being broke off in front of him that he needed to squeeze and drive on. And he's hesitant to do that. Right. Some So hesitation in zone, grabby and man coverage. I mean, those are not necessarily good characteristics that you're looking for. So I don't think he played well. I think he's a better player than what he showcased. We've seen that, but this wasn't a good showcase for him. And then Christian Brentford, I thought he was okay. He wasn't challenged much in coverage. He did get flagged one time, 
and I don't really blame him. I thought he took away the route, and then the play kind of went a little bit longer than he anticipated, and then the receiver kind of crossed him up, and he tugged on him. So I, I understand why the flag was thrown, but um, it was kind of a tough situation for him to be in. I thought he was okay. Didn't necessarily have the blunders that maybe Kyer Elam did, uh, but he was more sound, if that if that makes sense, where I didn't really see him um, out of position in some ways that I that I did from Kyer Elam. Uh, lastly, on the slot rotation, uh, I know that's kind of a storyline with Taron Johnson sitting because Cam Lewis was injured. Saran Neal got like a lot of run with this with the first team and then played a lot of football. And I thought he was very uneven, had a couple of good physical tackles, a couple of good reps in coverage, but some issues issues with pursuit leverage, some missed tackles. I mean, um, you could tell that there's just not as much comfort from him playing in the nickel as you would like. And then what was interesting is that the guy that played in the slot after him was Jamarcus Ingram. And I never really knew that was on his plate to play in the slot. But as we consider Jamarcus Ingram and what he can bring to this football team, uh, he's, I guess, like the fourth option in the slot. So I guess the the slot depth chart is Taron Johnson, Cam Lewis, Saran Neal, and then Jamarcus Ingram uh, at this point in time. So there you have it. I studied the tape and wanted to share a bunch of thoughts with you here on this episode. When we do this during the regular season, it'll be a little bit more structured, a little bit more focused on specific things. But I really wanted to evaluate performance of some of these buzzier topics with the Bills through this preseason watch. And that's what I did here on the podcast. So I hope that you enjoyed. I would love it if you took a second to uh, to make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast rate it, review it, share it. All that stuff is so, so helpful. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.